0: Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney.
1: I'm Laurie Eaves.
0: And I'm Hannah Hutzpah. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips and inspiration and above all awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's going on and where you can submit your work. Just in London? So the aim is to get out and about as much as possible but we're based in London, we work full time so realistically most of what we can get to is going to be inside the M25.
1: But we'll try our best I think.
0: Yes. But for now, it's London and beyond.
1: We're kicking off with an interview with the inimitable Tyrone Lewis and chatting about The Other Woman by Sophia Blackwell.
0: And we'll be bringing you one of our favourite poems we've heard this month in our Live Poem of the Month section. This month, is Leanne Shorley performing live at Boomerang Club.
1: So, that's all the admin. Hannah, how's your poetry month been?
0: I have not been to as much as I would
2: like because I missed uh, Jake Waltall and Amy Aker's awesome book launch, because we had historically high temperatures and I didn't want to get on the train um, time to is, be
3: fair yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: it, was, it was a warm warm event I
3: was going to chime in here and say like it was a very very warm day but it was very very worthwhile going to that it was such uh, yes,
0: but a it, very good it was, it was warm in more ways than one it was, it was love in it. the room it warm, was good. love <laughs>
1: It was particularly great with the uh, t- family at the front oh, in the yeah. restaurant who uh, didn't realise that they were in the middle of a poetry book launch until. Oh, no. the yeah, of the like the it sets. was a
0: completely no- like open bar at uh, um, Stratford Theatre and yeah, these people just kinda looked up and they kind of stayed for a bit and it was quite fun people watching them and then they sort of you could see them prepped go- away <laughs> Go, <for> the- <laughs> stick <laughs> out, stick out, go go, go. So, so it, was, it was it
3: was a level of waiting for Antonio to finish her set and it's like so like, actually, this is very, very good stuff. But also, as soon as she's finished, we're, we're getting
1: going. Out of here. Yeah, 100%. Anything else, Hannah?
2: I went to uh, Antonia Jane King's book launch, uh, She Too. It's called She Too is a Sailor, and it is published by Bad Betty Press. And it was a gorgeous, lovely, awesome night. um Lots of features.
1: Lots of features.
2: Lots of features. Not enough of AJ, as far as I'm concerned. But then we did buy her book, which was yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. the it's point. All, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's
1: a flipping good book. Okay. <laughs> That's my review. I sat in the a- garden. flipping good? Yeah, it's <laughs> a- flipping wow. good. I sat in the garden and I read it. Uh, and <laughs> don't tell AJ this, but I, le- I left it in the garden. And now I need to buy another one. <laughs> because <laughs> It's gone all wrinkly and not great <laughs> did
2: you just walk back in to the house in a daze
1: I, I was just so high after having read uh, aj's book <laughs> that i didn't notice for about five days and then when i next went back into the garden it was like oh what's oh that no. what's that strange little parcel in the corner oh it's it's oh. aj's book on the first I mean, side she's going to sell two books out <laughs> of yeah i feel like yeah, she's not going to
0: play <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's been a lot of book launches this month actually I think. yes apart from boomerang which was awesome um I think that's, yeah, most of my poetry consumption this month has been book launches, and it's been great. I, it's been really good.
2: That was the other one, is at Boomerang, I bought Niall O'Sullivan's uh, very limited run. I had 19 out of 30-something. 30 35. Out of 35. I got to pick, my my lucky number nine had been taken, so I took the next best, uh, which also absolutely loved. They were all really, really short, powerful, punchy. Yeah,
1: I haven't read it yet.
2: So, read it. so this is a pamphlet, is it? yes it's oh. it's hand stitched it is it is a eh? yeah I, I, I also, it's a lovely evening when you can have a few pints with
0: old friends and then walk home with their books this is my with thing with in
2: jokes written in the front cover
0: <laughs> this is my thing about the poetry world that you meet all these amazing people and then they pull their soul a little bit of their soul into a book for you and then give it to you to take home with you and it's lovely and mm-hmm. it's just yeah terrifying <laughs> <laughs> Any reason you might be terrified by that, Laurie? Uh, we might get to that later. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> I've been doing lots, l- seeing lots of poetry stuff aside from all the book launches we've already talked about. Um, on Sunday, I went up to Cambridge uh, to catch Allographic, mm. uh, like, mm. which was really awesome, and uh, Faye Roberts, who runs that. Is just an incredible person on the poetry scene, usually does the Edinburgh spoken word uh, PBH fringe. Director of. Director of. of, beg your pardon, uh, but is taking a break from it this year. I yeah, it's, yeah. A tough... <laughs> it's a tough yeah. gig. It's a tough game,
2: <laughs> And doing that every year is a is a huge thing.
1: I was helping out with scoring, way, at uh, the Genesis Poetry Slam <laughs> this month. <laughs>
0: It's not it's funny when you say, it's, it's when you say I was scoring, when you say I was helping out with the scoring. Did I not
1: say scoring?
0: No, you said you were helping out with scoring. which
1: Okay, is... let me rephrase oh, that. Wing
0: manning. wingmanning. Wingmanning at Boomerang. I was
1: rank. scoring at... Um, wow. <laughs> 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 the enthusiasm. <laughs> I was scoring at Genesis Slam this month and had the absolute pleasure of uh, being there when uh, Rick the most... Came and won, and Rick the most has been touring mostly in Australia and New Zealand for the last couple of years. They've been basically be living
3: there in the past few years. They have. Feel, yeah!
1: And they, the, the quality of the whole of the whole gig was great, but Rick was just stunning. Um, and yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to. I kind of I said at the end, I went up to them and said, I, and this is true that I a missed them so much as a person, but also just so missed them as a poet. And yeah, it was just really nice to be there for that spoken word london as well was also awesome this month Yeah, that
0: was their sixth anniversary uh, sixth yeah. anniversary gig yeah was awesome.
1: it was i say this month it's twice a month but that was uh fabulous um and you came along for the second half. i did you, Rebecca, yes oh yeah else.
0: that was my other poetry thing this month i went to see sarah k and phil k live and yes. it was it was so good it was so good and my eyes leaked quite a few times during it um, but it was wonderful
1: a couple of nights ago, I went to go and see a work-in-progress show called Moist, Moist, Moist.
3: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Possibly the best title ever.
1: A uh, poet called Chris White, uh, who's, who's been based in Exeter but is up in London now. Mm. Really worth keeping an eye on um, as they start to do more in London. Um, that was a really, really good show. And they're taking it down to Plymouth on tour in this week. Plymouth, because Plymouth is in the remit of this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. London,
0: beyond. L- so London and beyond. beyond like Plymouth is beyond many things. Most <laughs> places are beyond London. Yes.
1: <laughs> and uh, Roger Robinson's book Launch at the Tate happened. Oh. He's got his new uh, book out, A Portable Paradise, which I've read, and it is flipping amazing. It's flipping, flippingly good. Page flippingly good. Again, uh, yeah, it's really good. Um,
2: Tyrone is looking pained at page flipping.
1: Physical cringe. Um, and Hannah Raymond Cox's book launch, yes. uh, set in Dulston. Yeah, um, which had
0: food, which was excellent. And tied in, it was a theme. It it's not just, just yeah. that it had food, tied in. She writes lots about food. She had a, th- yeah.
3: had a food writer there performing and doing. She did. That was excellent. Incredible sets. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so she's a food writer. She wrote a piece where she basically um, accidentally ended up having to cook a bunch of what she called stag's pizzles. Uh, which are a big delicacy in China it's penises it's yeah. wangs um, <laughs> with lots of details also I went I went and looked do you have do you have any more synonyms <laughs> many pizzles is, is, is like now everyone, schmeckles pizzles Sorry. I'm waiting to use at in an inappropriate moment it's going to be great uh, But there were, so I went and looked up that article online because there's lots of descriptions of what happens when you stick a pizzle, pizzle. in boiling water um, <laughs>
1: It's a Raoul Dahl novel called This Man was Cole the poem.
3: This was a full 15 minutes oh, of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a so I found, that, I I found the not, article, no, no. Yeah. the
0: original article, and there are pictures. Oh. Yeah. And I urge you, boys and girls, to look up the pictures. Her name is uh, Future Dunlop. Dunlop. And yeah, if you just type Future Dunlop, Stag's Pizzles in, I think it's a BuzzFeed article that's rescued from a site that closed down. Yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah, just to clarify, that wasn't Hannah Raymond Cox's No, that was not a Hannah Raymond Cox's article. piece. It was Future Dunlop's. Yes. But Hannah Raymond Cox's book. Uh, Amuse Girl is all about food
0: yes Mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of you work your way through a meal throughout the book and it's just very funny and gorgeous and yeah
3: each poem slash recipe has tasting notes which really do help the poem it's just such a wonderfully well done concept exactly
0: Mm -hmm. and it's very kind of sharp and funny like Mm -hmm. Hannah is
3: I
1: had great great tunes at that. At that uh,
3: yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Uh, Who was on the music again? Um, oh, I, was I, don't DJ know. I
1: don't know, but whoever they were, you know, they should get more DJ gigs.
2: Yeah, and they're really good looking as well, so I hit.
0: <laughs> you can
1: really tell by the way they were stuck in the DJ booth at the inside of them. Now, anyone who's listened to this, if there is indeed anyone who's listened to this, might have noticed that we introduced three of us, and yet there's strangely a fourth voice talking in the, in the room. Uh... That fourth voice is not our conscience, <laughs> although sometimes
3: <laughs> no, it is it like a <laughs> it can be, it is now, it is now, I am the conscience.
0: The person, the extra voice in the room, was uh, Tyrone Lewis, who is this month's interview. Uh, Tyrone was the first ever Roundhouse Poet and a Roundhouse Poetry Slam champion. He won the 2017 Axis Winter Slam and was a finalist in the UK Farrago Slam Championships in 2017 and 2018, as well as being a finalist in the Hammer and Tongue Slam Championships in 2018. He was also nominated for Editor's Choice for Best Spoken Word Performer for the 2018 Saboteur Awards. He's won the co-host of the monthly Open Mic Night Boomerang Club and hosts the Canada Water Open Mic. Away from poetry, Tyrone's a full-time video editor. Over the past few years, Tyrone has used the skills he picked up from filmmaking and photography to work on documenting the spoken word scene via process productions. His first collection of poetry, Blackish, is out now. Tyrone, thank you for joining us. Hello. <laughs> uh, so to give us an idea of your work, uh, could you kick us off with a poem? I uh,
3: can do, indeed. Um, this poem is one I wrote at... Um... Rymo, I want to say 2017 Napo Rymo, And it's that whole thing where you're writing 30 poems that month. If you get two that are good, you've come out of it well. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. one of the ones that was like, no, I actually really like this. This is going to be something. And this one is called The Come Black Kid. The Come Black Kid. If I don't check Twitter, then the black kid won't die. Their family won't have to think about what coffin to buy for them. They can lie in their bed, sort of on the ground, sort of in the ground. If I don't check Facebook, then the black kid won't die. Their death won't autoplay on my newsfeed. There'll be no one accidentally liking that another black kid has died. There'll be no comments saying other people died too. If I don't click on that hashtag, then the black kid won't die. The police won't have done it. Their father won't have done it. Their lover won't have done it. White people won't have done it. Black people won't have done it. They won't have died wondering what they did wrong. If I don't click on the article then the black kid won't die there won't be white people being rudely reminded that racism still exists there won't be white people still denying that racism still exists there'll be no one saying the black kid was just unlucky black people won't be turned into statistics they will not hang us up in facts and figures as warning signs to other black people we already know they are killing us If I don't write this poem, then the black kid won't die, and 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 I don't have to be that black kid, and there'll always be a black kid, and the black kid will die, and this one is for the next black kid. I'm sorry that your bones became a hashtag. I'm sorry that our tears are just watering the plot you now lie in. I'm sorry that you are the plot of this poem. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so.
0: Well thank you very much. Um, so how did you first
3: get into spoken word? Um, basically when I was 13 um, during that summer my mum signed me up for a video editing course at the roundhouse. I got there and too many people turned up and it was too many of us to do the course it was like we can't all have you on this course actually. If anyone wants to do anything else they are more than welcome to. So I went well cool I'll do the poetry course because I, I didn't mind writing like I always liked creative writing and never done poetry. But whatever. So it's now like nine ten at this stage. All the courses start at 9 o'clock. I walk into um, the hub in the roundhouse and there was just Jacob Samuel Rose there. No one else is in the room. And it's like, that's okay. Great, that's a great room to walk into. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, this is like, okay, so it's a work, week-long workshop. I'm, like, I remember, I'm the only person here, other than the teacher, this is fine. Like, admittedly, yes, more people did come as the day went on. But I basically met Jacob there. And he made me fall in love with poetry. He showed me this is a fun thing to write. And then the whole validation of, oh, I'm actually not bad at this. I'll keep doing this. And then kept doing it over and over and over again until now. It's been 14 years or so and I'm still doing it.
0: So your mum tells that story slightly differently, Mm, shout out to mother Cass, (laughs) the poetry scenes mum. She tells that story slightly differently that you rang her on the first Mm. day and went, I'm not doing what you want me to do, (laughs) I'm doing poetry. Which might be my favourite teenage rebellion ever.
3: (laughs) It was that level of rebellion where I, Gonna with her wishes to do, okay, I'm going to do a summer course because she's told me to do a summer course. Yes. And it was never an instinctive, I'm going to not do the course because you told me to do it. It was, oh, I'm, I'm doing something different now, but a level of, like, I'm doing something different now. Cool, I'm going to own that and like make it my thing. But I'm doing something different. This was totally my thing. Yeah. No, wasn't my thing. Wasn't my plan. <laughs> but I owned it and yeah, became my thing. Cool.
0: So, well, it's been 14 years now. Mm. Um, how would you say your writing's kind of evolved over the time that you've been writing
3: before? Um, as my mum will joke, it's stopped being about squirrels. <laughs> um, there was an old poem from when I was 13 about the squirrels in the park when it only came out in the dark. And nice. there was some fun, stupid rhyme stuff there. But like, And, like, she jokes about that one, but I'm also fully aware, this from my own context, that I was also still writing poems about my dad at that stage as well. So it was never all joke funny stuff, but over the years, I've basically been able to write about a variety of different topics. And I know it's the cliche with me, but it's been able to use references and shared points of culture to kind of get people into the poems. So I stuff, kind of like, well, not that I was shying away from it, at first, I realised, like, no, like, this is not a thing to be ashamed of and not that it's a shameful thing. but more a case of I can lean on this. This is a thing that I am good at. And if I do the similar thing like that, over and over and over again it's not a limiting thing it's just that that's what i can do well so i've been using that as like cool i know film i know tv there's no point trying to not do that if that's what i'm good at and know. so it's been leaning on that and seeing how to make that serious as i've been going on and that's basically where it's been going So like cool knowing what i can do and doing it well
2: Okay. I had quite an unusual path in that... I think a lot of people write when they're a teenager, but it's the embarrassing shit that you scribble in your bedroom. <laughs> so the fact that you're already getting feedback from mm. someone like Jacob Sam LaRose mm. and it's in a performance space, like it's, mm. it's already a sort of public and... Well, you phrase? started
1: performing pretty quickly. Right? Well,
3: yeah, so um, the way that Roundhouse course worked was, was a week of doing workshops from, let's say, nine till four, whatever, each yeah. day that week, ending with a showcase on the... End of that Friday, and then there was the Roundhouse Slam, the first one, which was like the week after that or whatever. But so it was, so even the student that workshop was called first time doing poetry, and there's work, there's a performance at the end of it. Yeah. So it was always an idea that yeah there will be a performance attached to it. I had never known anything other than that and with that as well going on your point hannah the idea that like i know so many poets that got into poetry even writing in their bedroom or watching stuff on youtube etc and getting into it via that and i never had that influence which i'm saying is a good thing because that meant i never had that voice that i was imitating at the start yeah, yeah. it's always been my slam voice, voice. <laughs> like, in slam voice slam style and the topics that slam poets are doing which is why i had the dumb stuff and i was always writing that dumb stuff like I remember one of my favourite poems when I was younger was um, in 2007, and I know the year, because I think it was when Rihanna's Umbrella came out, mm-hmm. um, I did a poem just for the sake of doing a poem of, can I get all the number one singles that have come out this year and put, them in, put the title of them in one poem okay. and make that convincing poem. In this case, like, that was just a dumb idea that I had. It's like, I just did that rather than being any level of, oh, I must write about race or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. or anything close to that
1: yeah it's interesting you're saying that it's um that you kind of went straight into the performance Mm. obviously you've now got the book out yeah uh blackish and how is that how is it different now because i saw you reading at your book launch Mm. in the bunker theater Mm. reading from a book Mm. and uh, (laughs) and it was really different to watching you perform beforehand
3: Mm like the performance side of it is different just in the case of I am not used to reading and performing and like the whole book launch is weird as much as I'm reading poems that I know like in general having them in the book and in written form part of it is I'm very like it's the difference between the page and the stage and I'm very aware that there are things that I will say out loud when performing It's just a case of it's just easier to say the sentence that way whereas grammatically there is, that is not how you say it. Mm. There is like no it's the, it's the cheap phrases there'll be lots more so's, wells, likes in just how I'm performing it and whereas in the book is like, no, actually I've, it's now a better sentence and actually with the whole cutting out of words like I don't need all these words when it's written down. So it's something like that. it's like, oh and it's actually a full sentence when I'm reading it out loud for the book. <laughs> it's actually a full sentence of actual words and stuff like that. It was also well, like Oh yeah, like, there's a whole section of this poem I forgot existed. That's mm. actually a really good line. Why have I forgot that? Like, oh no, I've now memorise this poem in a certain way and that's not the way it was written down.
2: Have you also found that like the book the poem that you read out, uh virtually every every line or all but the end? This Us. one
1: uh, the Kid. Yeah. Come back, yes. Like,
2: every single line is mm-hmm. struck through. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that you can do on the page. Did you write them that way? Did you add that in so,
3: Come Black Kid was written that ways like there were a couple of them that were written like that uh, there's not really much i shape. like i think the hardest one for me to put in the book was grind my gears mm. because grind my gears especially over the years of doing that poem i have added in so many ad libs that are no longer ad libs because i didn't every single time now <laughs> yeah but i've got i've got a few asides i will do to the audience in that poem is trying to figure out how to put that in a book form and it's like do I want to keep them in there? Do I think it will work about that? And trying to figure that one out, and he eventually went for like footnotes in the end of the poem. I was like this poem's gonna have footnotes just because it makes it more fun in doing it that way.
1: You're obviously, you know, really active in mm. out front in mm. the in the poetry scene, mm. but also like you occupy a really interesting space in that you're part, part like just this person who's really well in Lon- in London anyway, like very central in the poetry scene, really yeah. active but you're also documenting the shit out of everything all the time. <laughs> yes. How did that
3: come about? Um, the way that came about was um, via our old Burn After Reading night. So Burn After Reading was a collective that Jacob and a few others start- started up. But um, basically, we used to have monthly nights. And when I got back from uni and the monthly night started, it was like, cool, well, I have a camera because I television production course and bought a camera for that so I can at the very least Of
1: course you rebelled against in the first obviously, place. <laughs> obviously. Now,
3: I, I didn't even I didn't, that's another story I didn't even into the media in the first place I started taking videos of the night and part of that was basically because it was the collective performing at each night and then a feature mm. a lot of that was I can film the poets so they can then watch themselves back and see how they're performing mm. and use it as a kind of tool thing and then as it became more of a regular thing it's like also we can just put this on YouTube and start having these Documented then when I got into the more of the open mic scene so going to go into things like the original boomerang when it was just Jake and Joel doing it, and then going to things like forget what you heard when that started, mm. etc. It was like, Well, I've got my camera, no one else is taking pictures here. I can do that because I can document this, and it's just a fun and you know, it, it's not, it wasn't taxing me in much in anyway. Because, like, cool, I bring my camera along whilst they're performing, I can still listen to the poem, yeah, but take pictures. And then it kind of evolved from there and it's like i work full-time as a video editor and it's like i've can then make th- i can start doing things that like i've got a degree in television production i've got a media degree and whilst i'm p- putting it to work in my job there's nothing to stop me to put it to work in this hobby that i like as well so it's like let's try and see what i can do with that and especially because no one else well not no one else but there are so few people doing it it's like well then might as well be one of the people that does it
0: How has that kind of changed your sort of perception of the poetry scene, or is it it influenced your perception of the poetry scene and what sort of stuff is going on in
3: it? I wouldn't say necessarily. The most it's done to influence my perception of the poetry scene is more to try and make sure that I'm not focused on London, like especially like Mm. first document (laughs) like like the first documentary thing I did was um, new shit, and that was focusing on the open mic scene primarily in London and I got like a few of the London poets I knew to be involved in that and then that got a decent amount of traction because obviously people that were in it shared it and they, not to try and inflate it too much but there, there aren't many things like that that are online so that people saw, oh this is actually a new and different thing. Yeah. Do you want I to explain th- the Title. so, so, so backtrack slightly. So, yeah. back slightly new shit is a, again i want to say it started off it forget what you heard but roughly speaking when you do a new poem the audience will in a call a response way shout out new, new shit, shit back to you Shall
2: we practice that <laughs> for the for the listeners at home this one's new shit new, new shit, shit!
1: And that, I think it was, I think the idea was that like when you saw a band and they go, mm. oh, we're going to do a new one, everyone mm. goes to the box mm. and like doesn't pay attention. Mm. Ah.
3: So instead you would be like, okay, we're not going to do mm. that. We're going to like welcome the new show. Mm-hmm. Aha. And like, that becomes such a thing with the scene as like, well, if I'm doing a documentary like open mics, this feels like a nice naming convention for it. But like it was definitely when I did the, the second documentary, which was Scores, Please, based off of the Poetry Slam scene. Mm. I was very aware, especially because I'd been to Edinburgh as well by that stage. It's like, cool, for this one, I want to try and get as many people as I can and not be just focused on London. So I think process has been the case. Of, okay, this is this can get far because of the internet. Let's try and make sure I'm aware of what else is going on. Edinburgh helped with that. Unislam also helped with that. So it was a case of, cool, let's try and see and keep aware of everything that's going on in the scene and see what else everyone's doing in the scene. And like, I will have to give a shout out to like Perry Johnson and the loud poets because Mm. they've got such a brilliant media arm there and they're doing a lot of stuff there. And like, there's a lot of poets in the Scottish scene that are playing around with media in a lot of ways. Jenny Lindsay is doing quite a lot. Oh, Colin McGuire, I want to say his name is. Who won the outspoken video award last year? Was doing some stuff with some um, spoken word and media. Leila Josephine's done quite a few things. With that there's a lot of poets based out in mm-hmm. Scotland who've been playing around with media a lot and trying to do those things together. So I've been trying to keep up with people doing that and seeing what else everyone's doing. Like even I know it's no, no longer a night now, but evidently in Salford was having yeah. a regular. We're filming our poets and putting them online and trying to keep some level of documentation of doing mm-hmm. that and just basically trying to be part of that community and documenting, like, there's so many good things happening here, we should probably keep record of it, if you will.
0: And I feel like that had been happening in America for a long time, that you've got kind of uh, Mm. um, button poetry. Mm. There's some stuff over here, but mostly in America and Canada. And, yes, it feels like, Mm. yeah, it's nice to see that sort of thing happening Mm. in in the UK as well.
3: Yeah, and, like, because, like, with the button poetry stuff, like, one thing to always bear in mind about button poetry, button poetry is, I believe, only film that poetry slams... To double checked up. I think that is the button poetry thing, so, so it was a interesting viewpoint of yeah. that. But mm. yeah, like they were the ones like they've had enough vile things going on there that they've become almost the goatee place of poetry. And it's like not that I wanted to necessarily do any rival thing and like you need the funding and the team behind that and I do not have any funding or team or anything. <laughs> but if anybody
0: but, would like to fund
3: it <laughs> Oh, there's no no one, no no one has money in poetry, it's a shame. No yeah. true. I'm waiting for that one witch person to be like, cool, like like me, please. So why
1: do you think that
3: documenting is important? I think it's nice to keep a record of what we're doing. Mm. I think that like that part of it is in general. I think it's more documentation in a case of taking it seriously, rather well, yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Like especially because so much of it is in bars and pubs and the back rooms of places. Mm. In so like, let's actually make this a bit more of a legitimate thing. And it's like, no, this is this is the thing that we do. This is a yeah. An actual thing of an actual audience, and that level of documentation of it is like, cool, this is not just me talking to my friends. And whilst, yes, I've got most of the friends in the audience, it's still a case of, this isn't just me talking to my friends on a whatever night. This is actually me performing in an, a legitimate thing. again. Yeah. And it's not to say that everyone's going to like it, mm. but seeing, oh, that's a valid thing. That's a thing that you're doing.
2: And I think virtually everyone has had a friend who's not who really, doesn't really know much about this poetry thing. They've taken on to one night mm. and they've been like, wow, that was really cool. Mm. But that they probably wouldn't have come along if they didn't know you yeah. already. So yep. yeah. by sort of, by throwing it more open, mm. that you don't physically have to be there to mm. understand that it's not either clinton's cards mm-hmm. or beatniks or yeah. whatever people's idea yeah. of poetry is mm-hmm. from yeah. the outside mm-hmm.
3: that makes I it like, that. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, but like also on that there's just that social level of oh i went to this cool gig last night and i heard this great song hit here's the link to the song yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A similar yeah. thing yeah. of poetry. I went. Shareable. Yeah. yeah and now there's that can actually send it to you to show you that you would like this and okay cool that can be what poetry is yeah
0: and that if poetry is about connection and sharing and connecting with another person, like why shouldn't that be? Why does that have to be from a page? Why shouldn't it be from the stage? Mm. Why shouldn't it be through computers and through? I remember there was actually a poem that went viral a couple years ago, and it was a terrible poem, <laughs> it was really bad. Just I hate when that happens. Looking to oh, camera. Was it was it, was, it, was it? was
3: it a guy walking on the street? No, it was a guy yeah. talking we, we, into we, a camera we, we're about
0: we're how we don't connect with each.
3: other Oh, anymore. I know that one. I Do you know, know, that know that poem.
0: Because yeah. we're too busy. Lo- we don't connect so, with each like, because get, we're
3: too busy looking at screens. Yes, so, 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 I'm watching I your poem on the screen about you saying not watch screen it's like no what
0: the fuck? yeah so how does kind of you sort of talk about the nights that you mm-hmm. enjoyed how does that feed into the nights that you host
3: it feeds into so i host two nights one night it's boomerang club the other one is canada water open mic boomerang which is the main one is um that one is, so that's been going on now for coming up to six no, six years five years i don't know I think I
1: feel like you had a fifth year anniversary. I can't remember. Might
3: it might have been fourth I don't remember. No, I think your fifth year
0: anniversary is coming up. Yeah, because
3: I think we're a year behind spoken word so. London. Yes. Yeah, because I, yeah, I think I'm a year behind Spoken Word London. It was their sixth anniversary. Yeah, Their sixth, their sixth. Yes, okay. I think, yeah. Either way... It's um, like working out
2: relative ages of people's kids. Um, Spoken Word London's at least a head taller. I think they're something like that. <laughs> something
3: like that. But, um, like, Boomman Club was started by Jake and Joel, and it was basically they wanted to have in a, a fun open mind that they were doing... And since then, with now me, um, the repeat beat poet, Pete DeGrasse Johnson and AJ and Tony Jude King, now also in the hosting team, Beamerang has now become some level of what we're trying to do is keep it as some level of a community vibe to it. It's open mics, so open to everyone. And we love the fact that even five years on, or however many years it's been, we are still getting newcomers that are coming to it. But we've also still got regulars that have been there, arguably since the start or at least early on or you'll get a regular that joined us two years after and has now been there for three three years or even so. like so it's that level of community but also got people like um Marianne Shirley who'll just t- turn up because heard about it and they will hopefully like it and come back again like it's a wonderful community in that sense and in terms of poetry and leading into hosting that is a case of i because of how i got into the scene I didn't get into scenes by open mic nights. I got into it by my workshops. I only got to start going to open mic nights when I was back from uni. So that would have been when I was 22. So I got back into, I started doing open mic nights when I was 22 and there was a level of, I enjoyed the welcoming side of that and the whole open side of that side of it. So when doing the open mic night myself, it's going to call us trying and what would I have wanted? I'd have wanted some level of a welcoming that I can come back to. But at the same time, I don't. there's no pressure to come here every single week because I still am living a life and have other shit to do.
1: And you guys, obviously, you know, it's really important to you to create a, a space mm. that's welcoming and inclusive. Mm. At the same time, there's a lot of, like, in-jokes and stuff. and yeah. And, like, you know, stuff that is kind of family mm. vibe. So how do you create a space where you've both got this kind of inclusive family thing but also it's really welcoming because mm. that's a strange balance to have a to community
3: one we don't know how we do that <laughs> um two i think the variety of hosts helps us and that like especially now that there's five it's not gonna be the same as ones of us hosting it each month and i think without even talking it through what's helped a lot is that I default to playing the straight man quite a lot in it. And I'll be the producer one that keeps the night going and flowing. And Jake, in his wonderful, chaotic way, will be himself. He'll make lots of these bad puns, these bad jokes. And it's wonderful. because like, I think there's also, as much as it's in-jokes, not everyone's going to be in on all the jokes some of the times. There was that level of, I'm saying an in-joke around you. I don't feel like I need to say something. that like, I'm not going to be like... Do you mind if I'm gonna bring someone along and have my own joke with here? Like, yes, it's an intro, you might well get it, but I'm still saying it out loud in front of you to all of you and involving you all. And if you don't get it, I might pull you aside, to, oh, by the way, this will happen now. Come back later, we'll we'll get you involved in it, hopefully soon. And like, I think there's that nature to it, and like we're not excluding anyone in that sense. And yes, they might well get it. it's with references, not everyone's gonna get every single reference, but we're making it and hoping that you're still aware of it. Talking of references, yes. that's probably a really nice lead into <laughs> Blackish. Tell us about Blackish. <laughs> <laughs> Blackish is my debut collection of poetry. I've been t- again as much as I've got the whole blurb for it written down. I still was always trying to think of how the hell to describe it. Um, my go-to is it's generally speaking a book about identity. Like I one of my ethos is for poetry and things I like look for in poems is I always like poems that only that poet could write. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that can come through your own personal lived experiences, but also as well it can come from the style of your writing and the voice you're having there. So with that, the part of how it comes away in blackish and all that is I'm talking about identity. It's my lived identity and only I can talk about my own life. And with that, I can touch on other things. I can touch on racism, I can touch on masculinity, I can touch on family, etc., but it's always it's not that I'm doing a poem about being black and saying racism is bad. Hopefully we all know that, they're need to <laughs> say that kind of thing. It's more a case of this is my experience of being black. But yeah, blackish is a poem about identity and looking at it in different ways and how how you can make up your identity, whether it is via family, relationships, race, masculinity, whatever and with that as well, I I short things up, I keep track of things via T V shows and references. Which is why the references that these are the things that I grew up with, these are the things that I'm familiar with, and it's a part of my life, and that informs more of who I am. You have a, one of one of the
1: poems. To the, well, I mean, I love a lot of your poems, mm. but there's one that um, that comes to mind um, that I'm thinking of called that you got called not another race poem, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's in blackish. Yeah.
3: No. So how how did you go about deciding what does and what doesn't go in? <laughs> um, so for a l- the longest time now i was um the way i always kept track of my poems so actually on that side note because I, I will jump through different many tracks in my head yeah. now uh, i remember christy coo the other week month on twitter and facebook was asking poets how do you organize your poems how do you keep track of your poems which unsurprisingly a lot of the responses were organize our poems what the <laughs> hell are you talking <laughs> about I love the control. But carry. On. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um with that um like for about the past 3 years maybe because I've been because I work on my laptop at home and my Mac at work etc and going back and forth between the two I've been using like Dropbox and Google Drive to keep track of everything and with that I've got my poems in there as my own personal thing. I've put them in folders. So I've got a folder for race, a folder for French mm-hmm. um, Um, me a folder for family a folder for whatever i'm talking about and that kind of thing so i had poems yeah in my folders then so so it's an arguably an easy thing of going through those folders and going which poems do i like which ones i want in there Mm. and then it was also just a case of cool i want to try and have it whilst it's not going to be a narrative book in that sense i want some level of There was a through line, through path Mm -hmm. of that, and some level of going from poem to poem without without repeating myself too much. Mm. And also then trying not to force too much into the book as well. So there's a few poems that didn't make it in there. With Not Another Race Poem, I think it was the case of, considering how, as much as I enjoy the concept of that poem, and I do really, really like that poem, Mm. with the amount I was talking about race in there, I felt it took a little bit away from those poems. As much as I love the concept of it, and I find it a fun one to do, it just felt a little bit like no, this is not the right time for yeah. it. And with that as well, I think with that poem, whilst I think it's the work works written down, there's a fun of performing that one and having the joke out loud kind of thing. And similarly, like my I Am group poem is my index. I think that's a poem that works best being said out loud. Not that it can't work in written form, but more just it gets a hell of a lot more work and worth being performed mm. similarly i am not a slam poet it gets a lot more fun and work being performed than not about slam isn't yeah it? <laughs> so i think it was just okay case like these poems either just don't aren't me worth doing it or i've done something too similar to that mm. or just i do not need to put every single poem no, in course. this one book like yes this is the first book so there's a, the temptation to put all of the stuff i've ever written in here this now this is what i can do yeah.
0: people
3: I was also in, in my head a little bit, and I joked about a lot, trying to say, like, let's try and see what's the line that the editor would be like, okay, that poem is just too shit now. <laughs> like, 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 I was finding the rest of them, that's just one poem too far. Yeah. I want to see if it ever came along, and that's always been why my Kanye West poem was in the book. Because <laughs> I was kind of like, in, a, not a, I don't want to say a tribute to Dan Simpson, but I love the fact that Dan Simpson in his applied mathematics book has his football stickers haiku in there. Yeah. Because it's football stickers haiku, and I can quickly say this. Whoa, whoa, we're going to have a cover. we're going to have a quick cover of, yeah. Literally, his poem, It so a poem about collecting football stickers. Got, 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 got. Got, 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 got. Got, 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 Need. I, was like, I, was like, I love the fact that as a published that's poem so and like like dad it's a great poem. I love it and I love the fact that as a published poem there's a level of like what can I get published and also like what's gonna be the line where it's like okay no no, no, just that's too much or that's just not good enough, stop it. Mm. So yeah, I think that was just it was fun seeing where that line was and also what I felt happy to like no, I want people to read this one, this is one I feel I'm proud of.
0: Because at the other end of the spectrum, there mm. were also the poems where you you were asking other people about their experience of race, like when they first mm. kind of experienced
3: race. Mm. I had not asked anyone, those are just my own stories I made up.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Because oh, I was trying to work out who some
3: of them were. No, no, literally, literally, I literally all made up stories. <laughs> wow. Literally all oh, okay. like like first time, so I've got the whole, I've got a series of stories called First Time in the book, and they're about the first time different characters or people realised or faced the fact that they were black. The first time Tyrone was comes towards the end of the book, that one is a real life story for me. but all the other ones are based off of stereotypes and shared experiences of black people they're not of anyone specific. And the part of that is literally my ethos and reason behind doing that was that I have come from a television production background. I can mm. write characters. <laughs> this is my chance to fucking publish characters. Yeah, right. I'm doing that. You can write dialogue as well because they've written, they're written
1: mm. as mm. as if they're being spoken. Mm. They're yeah, a lot less mm. not... Not, not a lot less polished, but they're, yeah. they're meant to look like yeah, transcripts. They're, yeah,
3: they're, they're yeah. written as if they're talking, as if they're answering an interview question. But I liked, personally, the idea of, let's do sections without saying, and am doing sections. Yeah, The first one talks about representation and then goes into a couple of poems about that. And playing off of that thing, like, a very soft, here was a kind of description of the section, if you will. But that was just um, me doing scripts. Mm. I think the fact that we all went whoa when you <laughs> yeah. said they made up so, they feel really believable yeah. like.
0: brilliant, well thank you very much for joining us uh, is there anything you'd like to plug and where can people find
3: you? Um, people can find me on social medias, I am Tyrone Lewis spoken word on Facebook I am Tyrone Lewis 22 on Instagram and it's Twitter Twitter's the word I was looking for there. And
2: Lewis uh, is spelt L-E-W. L E
3: W. Yes, L E W I S for Lewis. I have a website which I very rarely well use, dot 22com that has links to the book launch and occasionally has links to upcoming gigs, has links to my other media, which you can find if you YouTube Tyron Lewis. Many people I've dated have done that. It happens. <laughs> And where can people get the book? Um, People can get the book. Um, It's in all good Waterstones, but also buy it from me directly. So buy it from either (laughs) Burning Eye Books um, website, or if you go on um, dot there is a link to buy Blackish from that.
1: And where should people not buy your book from?
3: People should not buy my book from Amazon. Hashtag no to Amazon. You get 20% off on Burning Eye Books um, website because Amazon are dicks to independent publishers. Mm -hmm. And dicks in general. I
1: kept seeing the hashtag hashtag no to Amazon on your your thing. Yeah. and I was like, wow, Tyrone's number
3: two on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not quite, not quite, <laughs> not quite. Cool. <laughs> um, Thank you for coming, Tyrone. Yeah.
2: So we're going to be having a regular book club section uh, where we talk about a poetry book and... Review it, and we are all currently flipping through our identical copies of The Other Woman by Sophia Blackwell, except my one has a lovely note in the front from you. Sophia Blackwell. No, 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 no. It's... it's also
0: published by Burning Eye.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, I picked The Other Woman by Sophia Blackwell, um, which is partly, if if we're kicking off, I reckon I, w- I wanted to start somewhere that sort of autobiographically... Um, seeing Sophia Blackwell perform. Sophia Blackwell and Tim Clare, I saw both of them perform around the same time on different cabaret bills. And that's what sort of first got me going. Not just, I like this performance poetry thing, but I want to do this. I'm going to start writing now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So that's partly why I picked um, Sophia Blackwell's stuff. Also, I just love it. Um, I feel like she is... uh, Her writing, I feel like, is exactly just as unctuous as you can get before things get too rich and too and sexy <laughs> <laughs> oh no no they're, they're pretty damn sexy but it's 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 kind of exactly as gorgeous as you can get before it starts sounding self-conscious while being gorgeous if that makes sense mm. um it's it's got a very rich and romantic view but of everyday things yeah which i really 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 like also she does pretty cool things with form every now and again when i say form i don't mean like on on the page it's arranged in a smiley face but um in terms of um sestinas and i think i don't think there's a one in this one but um it
0: was a
2: golden shovel
0: i believe
1: golden shovel yeah golden shovel do you not know what golden shovel is
2: i mean i've i've totally done a golden shovel whoop you don't know what a golden shovel is. <laughs> sorry no are we allowed to say this is yeah. it rude yeah.
0: no,
3: no. <laughs> wow wow um,
1: <laughs> believe a golden shovel is when you take a line from something else and then that becomes is it the last word in a in in a line and then it goes down so it's kind of like an acrostic but on the right hand ah. side but, but using the line that already exists from something else I didn't
2: even spot that one oh
1: dear so I read this like a few months back now mm. yeah um but I've <laughs> never seen Sophia before ah. um which is Like, just completely by chance, I've never seen her, but picked up the book at the Poetry Book Fair, the London Poetry Book Fair. And, yeah, I remember I was reading it um, on the bus and I took a picture of it to send to uh, one of my editors to just be like, oh, look, this, this is what it should, like, things can look pretty on the page. Why isn't mine looking like this yet? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this looks good, and it looks like... I'm looking at there's a poem in it called The Girl on the Wall at Costa, which is mostly about how Sophia wants to be the girl on the wall at Costa and how peaceful and beautiful she looks in this weird kind of plasticky way. It's and it's like and it's just so precise, all the lines are almost exactly the same length there. It's so neatly arranged, and yeah, I just, for what I was working at the time, I said, oh, there's this whole other level of like thinking about how it looks that mm. I hadn't even been thinking about.
0: And I think just the, the with the form that, you know, she does rhyming poetry but it's it's really subtle. Like I've i yeah. heard her perform and it was about halfway through the poem before I was like, Oh fuck me, this all rhymes. Like yeah. it's not d'un You know, it, it's it's, it, it's not the point that it rhymes, it just happens to. Yeah, it doesn't yeah.
1: feel forced. Yeah. And when, when it and, and it's the same in the in the book as well, like I will I will have read whole poems in this book and not realised that it rhymed at all. Until I get to the end, it's like, and I mean that in the nice, in the yeah. best way, because yeah. it doesn't feel like the
2: imagery was you just the, the, the imagery you and the just wrapped wrapped of up work in the narrative it, You're not even yeah. thinking about it. Absolutely, yeah. She's she's one I could absolutely read and reread a bunch, and also um, it speaks of a kind of a lot of her work is kind of um, putting everyday joys on a pedestal yeah. in a way that I really really appreciate. Like or waking up next to your significant other mm. or like there's there's and just other. nice
0: candles there's a lot of There's definitely a few mentions of like really nice posh candles in this mm. being like this is a thing yes it's me and my camera it's great but yes, there's also
1: yeah. I, i've just flicked it open to a geordie grandma for Cesar death oh, which so is good. all written in dialect uh and that's on page 43 hannah if you're flicking through yes uh so. and yeah <laughs> just brilliantly goes it's it's Almost like intense, so intentionally rough for doing it all in dialect, and but again, it feels really—it feels like you want to give it a hug. Like <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing feels like a big scented candle that you just want to breathe in.
0: I think the other one I loved was Diary nineteen ninety nine, and it's just all these kind of notes from kind of—I I don't know if, it, if it's from her real diary I or not—but it's a sort of shit you write in your diary at school that kind of you know. M and I did it. Practice flicky eyes. Were the French? What were the French w- Wars of Religion about? Comedies of this time include disguise, got high, watch Magic Roundabout. <laughs> and he just, he's got a series
1: of just notes of like. Uh, was, it, was this line in the, the uh, stands below it? Protest Clause Twenty Eight. Try not to look too gay though. Two more shacks. <laughs> Great. What else do we need to say about this book other than that people should buy it? It's uh, Sophia's third book, right?
2: It's her third poetry book. It's her fourth book book. Uh, she also published a novel called After My Own Heart. I think one of the things I really, really love about her stuff is it's uh, beyond that it describes the um, much more sophisticated queer urban lifestyle, which I aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> she is aspirational. I am a grossy broke, <laughs> grossy broke bohemian queer who doesn't go out as much as I would like. And this is the lifestyle I would like to be having. Um, but I think also it's, it's completely unpretentious, but it is also very luscious and very carefully crafted. I feel like it, it it straddles the stage-page divide very, very well. If you're more used to performance poetry, it wouldn't put you off by being so form-based that you feel like you need a degree to... To understand to, it. Yeah. It, it feels
1: completely... Natural,
2: right, natural but yeah. informed by...
0: Yeah, buy the book and go and see how perform because all the way through reading this I was sort of like it's it's a lovely book and it does stand up on its own I was also kind of longing to have her read it to me yeah is... I mean get in line stuff
1: but... <laughs> 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 also runs Black's um, which is at
3: it? somewhere it's... In, Soho. Uh,
0: Club in Soho it's, Black's it's at Club. Black's Club in oh, Soho oh that's easy yeah. on Dean Street I think
3: uh-huh. I'm doing that on the 17th of September uh uh-huh. yeah. yes, excellent nice
0: So now it's time for the notice board section, letting you know what poetry nights are coming up this month and where you can go to perform work or submit it for publication. Uh, So starting with uh, nights this month, uh, on Tuesday 6th of August, there's Poetry Unplugged at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden, uh, and that's every Tuesday, so it will also be on on the 13th, the 20th and the 27th. Um, and then on the 7th and the 21st, Spoken Word London Open Mic is happening at VFD in Dalston. Um, we've mentioned it a couple of times tonight, and it is, I think, generally everybody yes. in the room. Of course. Of course. that's one of our favourite night. nights. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
1: definitely. Um, I think uh, Tyrone should tell us about the next one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, sp- a certain night on the 14th of August, um,
3: On the 14th of August, it's Boomerang Club, though, especially considering so many people at like Edinburgh, we are doing a very special Boomerang Club, which is um, Forget What You Heard About Boomerang Club. Basically, we are bringing back the Forget What You Heard night for one night only, and we are giving the hosting reins to both Matt Cummins and Rick The Most to run the b Run Club for that month. It will be for the Couch of Contemplation edition. <laughs> and for those that don't know what the Couch of Contemplation is, basically, it's a very laid-back, chilled poetry night where... <laughs> There is no sign up for the open mic, it's very much you hear a poem, if you think you've got a poem that works and respond to that one, you make yourself known to the hosts and we all figure out which poem goes next and like, night will basically continue on in that kind of a fashion where it's just so much of a reacting, enjoying the poetry night kind of night.
2: Sort of a giant community conversation of an evening. Yes.
1: Yeah. I can't overstate how excited I am for... Uh, <laughs> For
2: this night, <laughs>
0: and then on Monday the nineteenth, uh, the Chocolate Poetry Club open mic party takes place at the Camden Eye in Camden. Oh,
2: also uh, on the first Wednesday of every month, so it will be Wednesday the seventh of August. If you're on Twitter, there is Lost Lit, which is a it runs from nine pm to eleven pm, and basically tweet your creative writing on the theme of loss hashtag Loss Lit, and it. A lot of what I started coming up with in Lost Lit wound up in the book that I then published. Um, It's it's an awesome, excellent thing, which has probably added to a lot of my poetry being slightly morose, (laughs) but um, is an awesome creative writing generating...
3: There is Speak Equal. Speak Equal is always on the last Thursday of the month. This one will be on the 29th of August at the Jago in um, down Kingston Road. Mm-hmm. And their feature for this month is the one and only Rick the most. This is an open mic night run by the London Queer Writers Group. I believe they'll also be doing some workshops, but I don't think the date for their workshops are up yet, so do find them on Facebook to find out about that.
1: Um, and just to mention as well, yeah. these are not just our favourite poetry nights. Uh, These are ones that we happen to have found, stumbled across, been to before. We are not trying to ignore anybody's poetry nights. So if there is, if you're running an event and you want us to know about it, just shout. We've, yeah. we've got contact details that we'll talk about in a bit.
0: And then, uh, it's not a night, but it's a writing session, uh, Words Down. Uh, the writing session is a free writing workshop, which is every Tuesday, run by Hannah Gordon, who runs Spoken Word London. And that's at Rubio London, which is a cafe near Wilson Junction, where they do the best brownies ever. They
1: do. They also do the best uh, almond flat white.
3: There is also, on the 15th of August, at Set Dalston, painting poetry, As of recording, they have not yet got their feature announced for it, but that will be happening at Set Dalston. Cool.
0: Cool. Okay, so moving on to submissions opportunities, uh, the Ariamati Poetry Prize is looking for poems on the theme of change by poets who write um, for Social Change and Peace, and that closes at midday on October the 3rd. So for more information, visit www.flyonthewallpoetry.co.uk. The Dempsey and Windle's National Poetry Day competition is also open throughout August and will close on September the 15th. The competition is looking for poems on any theme and the 20 best poems will be published in an anthology. For more information, visit dempseyandwindle.com. That's D-E-M-P-S-E-Y and W-I-N-D-L-E.com. And then Dear Damsels, which is a fantastic feminist poetry collective that both Hannah and I have been published on, Mm -hmm. great, um, is seeking poems about female friendship for an anthology called Let Me Know When You're Home. Uh, And the deadline for that is August the 11th. And then lastly, it's August, which means Edinburgh shows.
2: Mm-hmm. We keep saying Edinburgh as if the Fringe and the city are interchangeable. This is, this is the Edinburgh Fringe, which is
0: coming up. <laughs> all of this
2: month. Um... All of this month. That If you are going to be up at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival uh, in August, get hold of uh, free Fringe guides as quickly as possible, because that's where all the free stuff is, um, and it's arranged by time, and it, you, there is an absolute ton of awesome poetry stuff. And there's
1: quite a lot of shows that we've... <laughs> That we, I've been scratching my head all day being like oh Jesus and there's that one and there's that one and there's that one and there's <laughs> too many to to name. So but,
0: I really want to do this notice board bit as part of the poetry like bigging up stuff that's on but actually you could just have a podcast which is just two, for two hours talking about what's going to be on. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: And again, these are ones that we know about. And I'm, go- I'm going up to the fringe, so I'll probably come back and be and be like, these are all the ones that I actually saw, <laughs> and these are great. But we've got quite a lot um, to plug. We've got Hannah Raymond Cox's show Polaris, which she describes as a queer foodie spoken word trip around the world. And it's at the Scottish Poetry Library at 5pm every day, except Sundays and Mondays.
0: And then we've got a Dahlia Day show, Too Pretty to Punch, which is a comedy spoken word show about gender, the media, and not fitting in any of the boxes. And that's on at Zoo Southside Studio, venue 82, at 1.35pm from August 2nd to the 26th, but not the 14th.
2: Uh, Matthew Hall will be performing his show My Name is Irrelevant, which is a show about all the people he's ever met and the confused workings of his brain. That's on at the Summer Hall Anatomy Lecture Theatre. From the 31st of July to the 25th of August, except the 1st, the 12th, and the 19th. Just just double check before you go. That's Always how double works. check, because yeah. otherwise you
1: end up doing what we did, and you go thinking you're going to see a show about Pat Butcher in the afterlife, oh, God. and then some little tweed 13-year-old starts doing his magic show, oh, and you're terrible. like, worst Pat Butcher impression ever.
3: But what is the white right show to see is the loud <laughs> post to see segways, yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, what is the right show to see is the Loud Poets. They'll be showcasing the best poetry of the Fringe at the Scottish Storytelling Centre at nine thirty every day from the first to the twenty sixth of August, except the twelfth and nineteenth. They've got a phenomenal lineup of sixty nine poets, cool. including nice. Katie Ailes, Tyrone Lewis, the repeat beat poet. Wait, who, who's, <laughs> anyway, that? That? Barry. <laughs> There'll that, be, that'll be six, I nine... hear
2: that Tyrone Lewis is really good, said Tyrone. Is, is all right?
3: is I all he's alright. He's alright. He's got a book he needs like, to shift. There, there <laughs> on a, oh, that too. <laughs> Buy my book. Like, there'll be um, 69 different poets there, and what's wonderful about that is they are poets from all across the UK. Mm. So it's a wonderful chance to see so many different poets. I will also quickly plug that, someone I can plug for Edinburgh, um, is on the 16th, I don't know where it is because I'm bad with my locations, but look up for Rap Party, which will be down at Edinburgh for One My Only. Um, it's run by Inua Ellams and Teresa Lola. Yeah. Mm. There'll be a hip hop and spoken word night. And on the bill for that one, I know, including myself, there will also be um, Harry Baker and other fantastic <laughs> poets doing it. So do get down to that one. I'm I really want to see what Harry Baker does when he responds to hip hop. Yeah. Um, Some other shows we've got on at,
1: um, on at the Fringe: um, Motive Poetry Slam um, is at Banshee Fifth and Ninth, uh, eight fifteen to nine fifteen pm with Sarah Hirsch and Ben Fagan, uh, who are over from New Zealand, uh, both amazing poets, and you can tell by the yays that uh, <laughs> we like them a lot. Dominic Berry's got a show. Um, I Yay. think it's called "I Can Make You." I can make you fail slightly less. Um, and that's a Zoo Playground, uh, five twenty PM,
3: I think most days. Um,
1: Smart Slam is up there,
3: but I don't know where. Smart Slam is on on the seventh and the fourteenth. I don't know where it is, but I know it's up there. And it's definitely worth going to if you haven't been before. That one is open. So the way Smart Slam works is it's a dirty storytelling night, and it's open to the public. If you want to share your stories about sex, that is the place for you to go. Rasheem
1: Crowley-Linton's doing teenage kicks at the other belly for 20 most days. There is one day that it's not. I can't remember which day. Um, also, these are just... I'm Names of these people. <laughs> Names of people who I know are at the Fringe. And they definitely have shows in the PBH-free Fringe because I checked. Uh, but I can't remember who exactly they are. Rob Gar- Robert Garnum's up there with the two Robbies. Uh, I know Robert Garnum is one of the two Robbies, I can't remember who the other Robbie is. <laughs> uh, Jemima Foxtrot's got a show, Melanie Branton, Attila the Stockbroker, Mark Gris, Leanne Moden. Um, her show's called Click, Click, Click. Uh, she Growls is up there uh, with Miss Oliver. Worst Day Ever with Barjack and Simpson, The Anti-Slam, Say Out, uh, a Matt Panesh monkey poet Scott got a show I think just it, the one. I, well, I... <laughs>
2: so, sometimes it's been like three. Well, last,
1: last time we saw Matt Panesh, he bought everyone in the crowd a pint, and I'm not saying that's the reason why you should go see his show. <laughs> but uh, this one's—it
2: will be unusual. This whatever one's you very
1: do. on brand. It's called I think it's called the highs and highs of being a Hawkwind fan. Wow.
2: I I have literally never seen him wearing a T-shirt that is not a Hawkwind T-shirt. He has many of them.
0: So if all of that was too quick for you to follow. Uh, You can find uh, more information on our Facebook page and you can follow us uh, on our Facebook page, uh, Dead Darlings Podcast. If you just search for Dead Darlings Podcast on Facebook, it should come up.
2: And on Twitter we are Dead
0: Darlings Pod. And we don't have an Instagram yet, but I might sort that out.
1: The email. It's deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. the original, right? Mm. Um, and if you like what you heard, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help us spread the word.
0: So in a moment we're going to have our life plan the month uh, to play us out, but before we do that, Hannah, is there anything you would like to plug?
2: Ah, so I, I like many uh, shopping, jobbing poets, uh, I have a Patreon, if you can look me up as Hannah, I am Hannah Chutzpah, C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H, uh, silent sea like Hanukkah. Uh, and I have a uh, Patreon account, which is where I share the best stuff I've come up with, which I don't want my mum or my boss to see. Also, I, I am on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, rarely. Uh, Hannah Huttspoor and all of those. Um, also, if you if you like nothing to do with poetry, if you like uh, if you like weird shit that my ADHD brain spots, I have a uh, a Twitter and Instagram account called Dragons of London, where I spot dragons in London architecture it's more cool than it sounds <laughs>
0: <laughs> laurie i believe you might have something you want
1: to plug do i have something i want to plug i, I have something i'm terrified of plugging that i think i'm going to plug anyway plug. um so as of today first of august the time of recording i'm officially allowed to confirm that i have a book coming out Woo! Uh, Fuck
3: yes! um
1: and it's my first book and i've been sitting on this since. The 2nd of January, <laughs> uh, which is quite a long time. It's called Biceps and it's out uh, the 15th of March. The Ides um, of March? Yeah, is it, yeah, the, oh, is it wow. the Ides of March? Oh. Okay, well it's out on the Ides of March, beware the Ides of March because that's when my book's coming out. Um, it's called Biceps and it's a narrative Poetry collection, which, I don't know, you guys, you, you both don't read it. You can yeah. you can tell me what it's about. Yeah,
2: I, I absolutely loved it. Like, genuinely, I was I was torn between, I'm so pleased for you, and, all right, sod, sod giving you feedback on this. It's already very polished. I've got ideas for things that I want to write now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's a concept album of a collection in that each piece feeds into the next one, and there's things which, on their own, might not be that big a deal, but in the context of the collection, they all punch harder together and it's about uh relationships loss and then sort of rebuilding in the absence of yeah yeah,
0: yeah it's I, I mean everything Hannah said basically it's incredibly intricate and beautiful and precise and poignant and just yeah everything about it i love i quite like the way you described it as being about the tidying up you do after a relationship the emotional physical tidying you do after a relationship and it's it's beautiful and i yeah very excited to see other, for other people to so, yeah, yeah so, I'm yeah. terrified uh,
1: <laughs> because yeah, I've never written anything as personal as as the book. Um, it's very, it's very autobiographical. It's also really strange in that, I mean, like you guys knew me mostly when <laughs> I first came to London and was doing a lot of rap and and rhyming <laughs> stuff. None of the poems rhyme. <laughs> uh, they're not all funny. And yeah, I'm I'm slightly terrified to be revealing. <laughs> like parts of myself that maybe are different to what people know me for, and that's why I've got to do it. So, yeah, it's exciting, and it's that's coming out. So um, oh, and also, I got to reveal the cover today, which my mum uh, designed, <laughs> so and pretty. It's, so pretty. it's really nice, and it's probably going to be the best thing about it. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. No. Yeah, so it's coming out on the 15th of March on Burning Eye Books, Ooh. who I'm really excited to work with.
0: Yay! I I do have anything I want to plug Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Rebecca K Cooney uh, and my website is www.rebeccakcooney.wordpress.com so our poem of the month was performed by Leanne Shoreley at Boomerang Club Open Mic Night in Hammersmith on the 10th of July we chose it because it was fun it really connected with the crowd and it was just a really lovely example of the kind of work you can find on the London scene and we also know that the subject matter has a special place in Tyrone's heart (laughs) So we're going to hand over to Leanne to play us out in a second but uh, before we do I just want to say thank you to Leanne for letting us showcase her work, to Tyrone Lewis for for joining us, to Texas Radio for our theme music and to you for listening. Uh, Here's Leanne Shirley live at Boomerang Club. Welcome up to the stage Leanne! (laughs)
4: And art. I think, therefore, I am. See, that's Descartes. I've got an arse to rival that of Nicki Minaj, and I would happily lob a milkshake in the face of Nigel Farage. I'm a vegetarian, and I care about the planet. I like lentils and quinoa, but do pomegranate. I like grime music. Big up Skepta and JME. I used to wear Gucci, but I put it all in the bin because that's not me. I'm not on Twitter because my words have no consequence. I'm reluctant to forever publish any of my I, mean, I know I'm saying my words to you down a mic right now, but this is ironic and postmodern and clever <laughs> somehow. And the main thing that you need to know to understand my core being, to facilitate you in looking at me and doing some inner self sightseeing, is that a week last Tuesday with this very hand, I text my ex boyfriend the words Are you watching Love Island? <laughs> And like Gemma Collins, I wasn't playing any game. I genuinely wanted to know if he was invested to stop my brain from being so congested. I wanted to know if we're both staring at the same villa in Mallorca. It's important for the health of my thoracic aorta. It's it's a part of the heart, it reminds Mallorca. I want to know who he thinks is being mugged off and misled and which of the girls in there would like totally turn his head my type on paper. I don't want to marry him and buy a joint copy maker. I don't want to couple up with him for life and be his big-bottomed, grind-loving wife. (laughs) And if he's with another girl right now and it's exclusive, then I am more than happy to be totally elusive. If that's the case, fine, doesn't hurt my pride. Crack on, more than happy to be pied. But, 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 if you're sat watching telly of a night, filling your brain with toned tummies and Spanish sunlight and you have no one's lap in which to lay your head and then you go off on your own to bed, like I do, then maybe it would be quite nice to know. Because if you're gonna fill your brain with that stupid show, then maybe there's some room for some genuine, honest intimacy. That's probably the sort of thing you could get from me. And at the weekend, I don't wanna go to you, go with you to Ikea. I don't wanna go to the Lake District and sample home-brewed beer. I don't wanna share a flat covered in plaques that say live, love, laugh. And I don't wanna go to any dinner parties I just want to push my bottom against you and give you an erection. I just want to dance around a
2: field with you, high
4: on MDMA and kiss your face and stroke your hair and then maybe say, this is okay. I mean, not for every day, but monogamy's not the only way, is it? Because I think you're great, but I don't want to go on any proper dates. Does any of this resonate? Or should I go home and solemnly masturbate? Because it's not really about the sex. I don't want a one night stand. I don't want to take a stranger home and have to massage his prostate gland. I don't. quite a lot at stake, which is weird because I just want to lay my head on your shoulder and make you a cup of tea in the outbreak. Relationships are weird and they're complicated, they're nuanced, they don't make any sense, so when it comes to you and I being together or apart, I'm very much of a sit on the fence. I've got three A-levels <laughs> in philosophy, young studies and art, I think therefore I am, Descartes. I'm a vegetarian, but I eat the occasional Big Mac,
0: and I care about the
4: planet, but I forgot to take my reusable cup to Costa a couple of weeks back. Big up, Stormzy and all your vibes, but I've only listened to your top five on Spotify, no B-sides. So I'm not on Twitter because I've got nothing important to say, but I've made you all listen to this five-minute poem anyway. So I suppose what I'm trying to explore is that things aren't quite as black and white as I thought they were before. And all this over one text message. I don't mean to get into such a tears, but at the end of the day, I'm not gonna lie, it is what it is. Thank you. <laughs>